Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill Mahaffey. Take it away, boys. Welcome back, canoe racing fans, to another episode of the Canoe Race World podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Olson, with my co-host, Bill Mahaffey. How are we doing today, Bill? We are doing fantastic today, Kevin. It was a great day here in Michigan. Actually, did a little canoe racing that we'll talk about here in a bit. Oh, yeah. You know what that means. That means the season is officially underway. I have to apologize to our five fans. <laughs> I think we're up to seven now. Come on. <laughs> that we uh, been a little bit. Uh, it's taken us a little while to uh, get this uh, episode out, but we actually did record an episode a month ago, but the, just the quality was horrible. So we, we couldn't put it out there for you guys, but um, yeah, so, we, so we we recorded that episode. You were like, it was all about Florida training camp, and you were going to Florida training camp, man. That's yeah, yeah. It was my first time at the Florida training camp, so we're gonna, we're going to talk about that today a little bit, you know. So that that was cool, and uh, so yeah, so we did it on the road, but uh, because we were, I was using self service and going in and out, you know. Uh, of cell service it was kept on cutting in and out so unfortunately we lost lost that content but we got a lot of content to cover today bill um so this is going to be our season opening episode um so we're going to kind of touch base on on everything that you guys need to know for uh you know the early season and and what's to come for for this year ahead i'm excited about it bill i i am too kevin it is uh it's been a long time. I am glad that we are back racing again. Uh, early season is always a, an interesting time of year in canoe racing. So it is. There's, you, you can definitely tell who's ready for early season and who's not. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. So that's something that I think this year, more than even other years, this early spring conversation is interesting because of us coming off of uh, the, the, you know, bummer of a season, I'll call it from last year, uh, with, you know, COVID, but we're still dealing with COVID now too. And that's really affecting, I think how people are starting their season and what it's really looking like. So, um, so why don't we start there, Bill? Um, yeah, absolutely. We'll start with, uh, Florida training camp. Uh, and we'll start there just because that usually kicks off a lot of people's uh, seasons. Uh, um, and one of the biggest things that we we saw is, well, I saw that when I was there anyways, is that the, it was not what I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, more people. But again, I understand because there was no Canadians. And that's something that we find down here in Florida now in general because, from my understanding is that, um, well, I don't know if it's still like this, but um, at one point I heard that if, you know, you're a Canadian citizen, you came down uh, to the States and contracted COVID, that you're, it, it wouldn't be covered under your health care. So, wow. Um, okay. I- so, yeah. 
I, I was not aware of that aspect of it. Last I knew, though, they if if they cross the border into the states and then return to and, and maybe one of our Canadian listeners, Christoph, if you're out there, man, hit us up <laughs> on this. Um, can, can confirm this. Um, if they cross the border into the states and then cross back into Canada, it's a mandatory two week quarantine. Mm, yeah which which is somehow like insanity to think that crossing from canada into the states and back like that's that's magically we we have the same kind of level of insanity uh some of the businesses have put into place um for their workers here in the states you know you leave the country you come back it's a two-week mandatory quarantine well cool i can still go to vegas and do all kinds of (laughs) <laughs> crazy illegal things in Vegas in a in a nightclub and that's all right but I can't I can't go to Canada <laughs> yeah. yeah so it, it it makes it yeah we're, we're just gonna say it doesn't make a whole lot of sense and carry on yeah for sure so um I, but yeah I heard that because like uh, down here there's a lot of Canadians that'll like you know snowbird it down here yep. um and and that population is non-existent this year so um, you know, so yeah, that's where I heard it from. So I don't know how much how true it is or whatnot, but, um, but that meant that you didn't see any Canadians at, uh, spring camp. Um, there was also not much of a New York presence either. So it was, uh, a big Michigan presence. Um, you know, so that, that was, that was definitely interesting in Texas, Texas came out. So. Uh, it was pretty cool. Uh, first time I've ever been there. Uh, it's a great river to paddle. Um, and uh, paddled for like five hours on Sunday, paddled on Saturday for a couple hours with John Webb. And uh, yeah, so it was, it was pretty fun. But those are the big takeaways is that um, it looks like the Michigan crew is definitely uh, um, pushing hard. I, I think the New York crew is still, you know, training. They just didn't make the trip down. You know, um, so we'll see. We'll have to see how that plays out. The, the you know, if we're going to touch on the Clinton here in a little while, but um, because I really think that's the only thing that the spring training camp can really help, in my opinion, is is the Clinton. I don't think it has that big of a factor on uh, uh, the marathon um, because yeah, you, so far, right? You've got plenty of time to get ready for the marathon without going to Florida, right? By, by late July. Now I would say by 1st of April, you probably better start be get, start getting in that boat. Right. Um, but at spring camp, uh, it definitely a big boost for the Clinton. Um, but no, Michigan in general, even non-Florida related has been really ramped up um this spring we've had a lot of really nice weather which has gotten a lot of people out on the water um i I was looking through some old pictures and uh i think it was like seven years ago we still had quite a bit of snow on the ground on this day um here in michigan and uh we we did have our first race here it there there's been times when that first race, there was like, it was like barely about freezing and snowflakes. So to, today, right. you know, and we've had this warm weather for weeks. 
and, and people right. are definitely taking advantage of it. So, yeah. So, so, so with that though, um, who have you seen out? Who who are you surprised that you've seen out? Or I mean, maybe not surprised that you've seen out, but who have you seen out, and who are you maybe surprised that you haven't seen out? Um. So, um, seen a lot of the regulars out, right? Uh, clearly, Carson Burmeister is digging to move up. Team Canoe Race World. Carson Burmeister mm-hmm. has been working very hard. Uh, the champ, Ryan Halstead is on the river paddling heavy and regularly right now. Uh, so is Jordan Wakely, a guy that probably can win the marathon. Like, I, I don't want to say definitely can because weird things happen, but Jordan mm-hmm. Wakely could win it all this year um, and, and really could win any race. It's um, I was standing around today before today's race, and we were, we were talking about Wakely, and whoever I was talking to at the time looks at me and says, it's Jordan's world. We're all just paddling in it. <laughs> um, but he's clearly got that big boost. He's got, you know, a, a great endurance system to begin with. And he's been paddling and paddling heavy. Um, yeah. A lot of the other regulars in the area are out there as well. You know, you've got a, an Eric Batway who always leads a big winter contingency. Um of, of people that are getting on the water of, of all skill levels, talents, uh, experience levels, things of that nature. And, and that group, um, that way, Mike Taylor, John Thompson, Bernie Tuzinski, you know, all those guys, you know, kind of have put in a ton of hours, you know, um, mm-hmm. who we're not seeing. Where is Sean Bravant? Sean, where are you? We we need the Sean Brabant symbol in the sky, like the bat signal, man. Where is Sean Brabant? He he paddled in Florida. Yeah, but that's, I'm mildly offended that he hasn't. You know, Michigan water is not quite good enough. I I love Michigan water. I think Florida uh, I water. Think, I think you guys got Tuesday night race league uh, starting back up this next week, though, right? We we do it. It is it's it is starting back up for those that participate and partake in the T, TNRL. It is coming back. So, yeah, that's so, that's okay. it. Now you keep tabs on the the New York crowd, right? What's what's New York looking like? Um, New York. I mean, as much as I can. I mean, I can't. That's one of the things that's kind of uh, you know it's tough being down here. I, I have no tabs on anyone in like like real real life but um i mean i think i know uh ryan zavril is uh training uh pretty hard um and uh i know some uh i i mean i have to assume that some of the big guys are training um so i i wish i could give you a better answer on uh on the new york crew um i do know that the the c4 team's been out a lot I've seen that on the Strava, um, you know, Bob Wissey and then and those guys. And, uh, so, I mean, I know that there are, they're out there training, um, exactly who, um, if we're, you know, I don't know if Trevor's been out, but I don't have any of his information. Um, don't know. Um, you know who I, 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 
I'm surprised I have seen little of is, is Joe Schlimmer. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised I haven't seen more, more out of on him. I don't know if he's just not recording. You know, they're going incognito um, on the social on the social fitness platforms, but uh, um, I haven't seen much from him. Um, and and so yeah, the uh, Shane McDowell. I've seen a lot from Shane McDowell, so I'd, I'd be expecting to see him out. Um, but from the New York crew, that's uh, out of the big names. That's probably um, you know who 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 I've seen uh, th- thus far. And I've uh, talked to anyways or, or whatnot. But um, yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, do we uh, know? Uh, do we know? Have we have we heard anything about the Andy Trebolds of the world or um, any of the any of the yeah. other big big dogs or? No, I I have no intel to offer in the world of Andy Trebold. Um, okay. he he is the like like Andy's the king man. Um, yeah. if you want to win, you have to go through Andy, and I have. Zero information. Yeah, on Andy. Um, so, yeah. Well, I don't know. And, and and I just say Andy because you know I'm kind of you know having the assumption that if these big races happen, uh, they might be you know asterisk races because they might not have a Canadian contingent um, contingency in them. You know, so um, you know otherwise. We would, you know, be talking about Steve Lajoie and and Guillaume Blay and you know and Sammy and and Kristoff and you know the whole the whole slew of other guys. Um, but I think because the this year's so like up in the air, it's hard to it's hard to even get pinpoints on on some of these top guys, you know, because. What are they, you know, I mean, obviously they'll probably be out paddling, but um, if we don't have these big races, you're not, you're probably not going to see them out like they've been, they would be in other years. Right, my guess. right. Do, do you see them um, grinding? Now, now, paddling is a low impact sport, but it, it does have a wear faction to it. It, it is hard on the. As as I'm well aware, it is hard on the shoulders um, <laughs> and and the back. You know, it yeah. There there are components of it. I don't know. Um, Andy is a very um, he, he kind of trains his own his own way. He doesn't, from what I've noted, doesn't get too involved with a lot of the group paddles, things of that nature. At least in the mm-hmm. circles that I'm I'm in and aware of. So he's hard to keep tabs on as far as what he's doing from a training yeah. perspective. Um, yeah. And then he shows up and he wins. So it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, for sure. So <laughs> it doesn't mean anything that we haven't heard anything, you know, from him. But, yeah. you know, it's uh, um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. So, um, but we did... Why don't we uh, take that into our uh, the the first race of the year happened today um, in North <laughs> yes. in cold waters, yes. Bill in cold waters. They should in say. cold waters. You gotta you gotta <laughs> put a little because Florida's always racing, right? Yeah. They, they had a race today too. I wish I could have gone. It was on the Rainbow River today. 
Um, I'm just couldn't couldn't do it couldn't today. It so I, no, I am kind of jealous of that. You guys get to race nonstop, and, and racing is so much fun, right? So we did. We had our first race of the year. Uh, normally, the Michigan Canoe Racing Association kicks off their year with the Klondike. Um, the Klondike is a big fundraiser for the Osabo uh, River Canoe Marathon, traditionally held in Oscoda. Um, the property where the race normally starts has been, or where it normally, let me back up, where people normally access the water, we have our pre-race briefing, things of that nature, um, has been sold. Um, it's now a, a, a different bank because it was a bank property that they had always used before. And as such, finding access for this year was difficult um, as the, the current owners did not want to allow the, the access. So as a result, the spring fling was hatched. Uh, a fantastic uh, audible. We'll call it an audible. Probably the best thing to call it. Um, <laughs> By the Michigan Canoe Racing Association, you know, Lynn and uh, John and Cheryl Lucy, a lot of people put a lot of work into making sure that we could have a spring, uh, a, a spring race. Um, we raced today from Penrods, which everybody's familiar with in the, the canoe racing world. Um, the, the owner of Penrods, um, Jim Humes, is a huge huge canoe racing fan lets us use his property to, to start sprints for the canoe marathon lets paddlers use it we, we use that thing year round right mm-hmm. uh, yeah and he he let uh us use it for our access for the spring fling we went down river went into spider cut which is closed for those of you that have not did the canoe marathon you can't go in there in the canoe marathon um turned and paddled back up to penrods and it was uh it was a good time really really good time um we had a truckload of boats show up um i believe there were 20 ish c2s with 26 c1s um really really big field yeah that's a a good turnout yeah i i was surprised that uh it, it felt good. I put in at my property and paddled up to Penrods and it was like, oh man, we're, we're getting the band back together, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I know I'm not the only one that felt that way because I heard a lot of sentiment from, from people. It, it felt good to be able to race again. Um, before anything happened, there was a few do- new changes, right? Um, we now have to sign a COVID waiver, which... right. In Michigan, we've signed so many waivers just to race for insurance purposes. You don't even read them. You just done. <laughs> and then there is a temperature check. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk. Like in Michigan, we're rapid testing our student athletes now, which is a really controversial thing uh, to participate in. You know, athletics. Yeah. Um, but now all we had to do was a temperature scan. And you, you know, get scanned by this thing. I was 97.2 to start. All right, cool. Um, right. And away we go. As for the race itself, the, the starts were mass chaos. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos, but they were they were a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so how'd they do it? Was it just lined up on the bank? 
Yes. So for um, I'm going to paint a little picture here on the airwaves. For those of you that aren't aware, there is not a very wide area of river in front of Penrods. Um, it's a pretty narrow swath. So what they did was they split everybody up into waves and lined up 10 boats in each wave, uh, five on each side of the bank, um, and used a birch tree as the start finish point. Mm-hmm. And then torqued it off. Now the birch tree, I got to say, is kind of a kind of a funny, uh, funny little bit there because there's a lot of birch trees in that <laughs> section. And Bruce Barton was the only one with enough common sense to go, um, which birch tree? As they were doing the the the, the pre race stuff, he was polite about it, raised his hand and everything. But I had to laugh because it was like Damn, yeah. Bruce is right. We probably should clarify this because <laughs> there's a lot of birch trees. Yeah, that's funny. But the, the river itself is only maybe 30 feet wide at that point. It's mm-hmm. narrow. Yeah. Um, so, it, yep, go ahead. It's, it's very similar to uh, normally the first kickoff race, uh, which used to be the USPP in New York, which uh, would be ne- next weekend. Um, the normal start for that race is on uh, a very, very uh, fast-flowing section. So you basically everyone just grabs a, a tree on the, the the side and you all line up based on your entry list up against the river and then then when the gun goes everyone goes from there. So um, so there are other races that do similar starts like that. Gotcha. It, it uh, we we talk about starts. One race that is on my list, and I will do this race. I have to do the the, the rat race, right? Oh like, yeah, you got to. That's a good one. Have you ever have you ever did that? Yeah, yep. I did that, and 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 Bill, it was uh, there was a false start that year, and it was uh, there was a lot of controversy over over that race. <laughs> it, was, it was a hell of a lot of fun, though. I, I've, I've heard a lot of stories of that year. It, uh, yeah, it controversy. <laughs> it's a good way to put it. But how do you stop the rolling freight train? Uh, yeah 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 anyways back on topic that's that's how they did the race um so picture shooting off 10 c2s at a time and then uh 10 10 and i believe six c1s um it it made for some crowded racing with one minute intervals um in the c2 class uh matt mearsman danny medina had a fantastic race. Now I had a chance to talk to Danny uh, a little bit afterwards, just how to go. And it sounds like Wes and the, the West squared show West Dean, West Willoughby actually pushed them quite a bit. Um, and they were the second place team followed by uh, Halstead and team canoe race worlds, Carson Burmeister. Um, mm-hmm. Now I do know that Carson Burmeister did break a paddle. Um, because my daughter had to swim for it at our, at, yeah, at a river property when he chucked it out of the boat. And she's, she's, uh, man, I wouldn't want to go. I don't want to go in the water here in Florida at 76 degrees. 
It, 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 and it sounds like she found the deep hole. He he could have at least Carson. If you're out there, like next time, throw it over towards the shore, man. So, uh, but that is part of what what makes the course today and makes uh, just paddling on the ensemble so challenging. Is one second you're in six inches of water. The next second you're in four or five feet of water. So, yeah. That's something uh, that's a interesting course too. When when I heard you know how the the course is laid out, I'm like, I'm one of those guys that I kind of like to go upstream first and then downstream. Um, and there's so much current in a sobble um, that that's that's got to be a tough. You got you got to like plan that that race like to not burn all your matches going downstream. Um, because you got a you got a you got a long fight upstream. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned burning matches. Now in the C one race, uh, Wakeley dominated the C one race, followed by Watson and Matt Gabriel. I I did do the C one race, and that's what I did today was burned a copious amount of matches <laughs> in the first eight nine tenths of a mile going downstream desperately mm-hmm. trying to hold bruce barton off and, and he got me like literally right on camera going by my wife in front of my own homestead i'm like yeah i at least made it this far uh, so from- you was just saying hey 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 bill i know this is your home turf but yeah yeah <laughs> i'm go. still bruce barton I just got back from an epic canoe trip on the Buffalo River, you know, drove all night long, yada, yada, yada. But I'm, I'm still the legend, right? right. And I'm going to remind you of it by passing you right in front of your own property. Uh, that's funny. So, um, no, no, you got to, you're right. You, with a down and a backup, you burn the matches too early. It makes the up awful. So, yeah. So that's one of those things that's, uh, I, and 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 really, where you'll see the difference, and this is one one of those things where, when we talked about uh, when you talked about Jordan earlier, Jordan's got you know a lot of uh, you know we'll call it a uh, uh, ge- you know good genetic qualities. I mean, he's so tall, so he has such a long limb length that uh, that really helps with leverage in 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 the boat. So like you know something like that can you know. Uh, make a boat move when it's going in current, you know, super easy, and then has the ability to then, you know, crank up the watts uh, when it's really needed when you turn when you turn around and go back upstream. So, um, but yeah, so and that's where like I think in like a course like this where uh, you get like. If you if there if we if we throw some names out there that would be really good in a C two, but um, might struggle on a on a race like this would be like like Sam Frigon because he's so light. You yep. know, light guys I, I, tend to really struggle in that heavy current going upstream. Absolutely, absolutely. You can. This is a um, when you're racing upstream, especially in a C one. It's more of a big power guy game. Yeah, not not to make excuses for myself because uh, I'm definitely not a big power guy. But 
the the people that have that long reach and can generate a lot of watts you know really expel the the power to the paddle tend to dominate something like this yeah yeah so it'll be you know uh, go on it was good it was it was interesting um you could definitely see like like every year at something like this you could see who's been paddling who's got 40 50 hours in since january and you know who has uh 14 or 15 um right. so yeah it, uh, there were definitely some guys that have put in a lot of work this winter that looked fantastic so yeah yep uh on the women's side of things i gotta give a little shout out shout out to uh christy treston um showing up in 10th place in the c1 race um i was talking to rebecca mm-hmm. last night and I told Rebecca, I said, Christy can probably win that entire second heat. Um, now, she didn't win the second heat. There were uh, a couple of burners in there, but she still worked her way up into the top 10. Nice job, Christy. And Sarah Webb as well had a fantastic race in C1. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking at the I'm looking at the. Um, the results and uh it's it's yeah that that is definitely a you know congrats to christy on that a great race um like to see what she uh does the rest of the season um you know uh she normally because she normally races is it with her sister she does yep she races so. with her sister katie um in the c2 primarily um Christy is the bow paddler, and she is an absolute beast. Just a fantastic, fantastic paddler. So, yeah, yeah. It'd be hasn't, interesting. Hasn't missed a beat, that's for sure. Be interesting to see her in, uh, you know, uh, um, a mixed a mixed canoe. You know, you, you know, and, and I only say that just because, uh, you know. We have a lot more, there's so much more, like, you know, data on, like, race performance and stuff with mixed teams. Um, uh, I'd love to see more and more women's teams, you know, but uh, um, I think that just to get a gauge on, you know, where, uh, you know, where, you know, just because we have more data on the the mixed teams. You know what I mean, Bill? When I'm saying that, so. gives gives you more to work with as far as a as a metrical performance thing. Um, Not not that you can't gather that data on a C2 women's team, because you most definitely can. You can look at uh, the the trust in sisters. Um, You can look at Phoebe. You you talk about somebody that's putting the work in. Mm -hmm. Um, You can look at, uh, obviously, Rebecca and and Edith um, and gather stuff. And then you can go, hey, what... You can play the what if game, you know, what yeah. if, what if, what if. Um, that's that's something like, man, I'll be honest. I think that there's a really strong women's field out there currently. Like if you like, let's 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 throw some names out there. Like you said, Phoebe has been uh, she put up a hell of a time trial time um, this past week. Uh, she's she's really like stepping up. Christy's stepping up. You have, you know. Uh, Mary Schlimmer, you have Rebecca, you have um, Sylvie uh, Nadu, you have um, Sarah Lassard, you have 
Um, I'm probably forgetting forgetting some out there, you know. Oh, but you can, yeah, you can you can just keep naming names, right? Uh, talk about the OG, you know, the original gangster. You got Roxanne Barton, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Ro- yeah. Roxanne and Rebecca pulled off. Uh, I ninth think place. they were like ninth today. Yeah, they ninth. were they were somewhere in the top ten. Uh, mm-hmm. Like Roxanne has thumped me. And there is no shame in my game in saying that she's thumped me before because she's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you talk like, you know, Mary Schlimmer is just coming in, you know, just a, a little over a minute, you know, Mary and Tad were just a little over a minute behind Austin Wheeler and Kyle Stonehouse, you know, so, um, you know the 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 crop of uh, female uh, athletes that we're going to see uh, this year. I think uh, I think is is definitely uh, definitely promising to the canoe racing world in general. I would say. Oh, a- a- absolutely. You talk about Mary. We'll, we'll jump back to Andy Trebold for for a minute here, for a brief second. Andy and Mary, I believe. And this might be a little bit of a stretch. Andy and Mary could win a triple crown event. It's, it's definitely not. It's definitely not out of the out of out of the question. I mean, uh, I definitely think that we could, you know, at one point or another, see a female win a triple crown event. Um, I really, I really do think that that's possible. Um, I think if the, you know, I think, it, I think it would have to be um, a lot of things going right, you know, like uh, good conditions for that team, you know, um, you know, because you figure most most mixed teams are going to be lighter generally, so they might uh, do better in shallow water. Um, so you talk about a general Clinton, a low water year, or the low general water Clinton. Clinton year. Yep. There you go. And, yep. And then you have, you know, uh, what happens in rate, you know, one of the reasons why we like racing, racing's racing. There's stuff that happens, you know, um, right. yep. you know, someone has a incident because it's a low water year. I mean, I don't know how many ballers have dropped out at the General Clinton, but that the Susquehanna has its fair share of uh, ballers at the bottom of that river. Um, you blow a baller out, your race is done. You know, that's not. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a bad day. That'd so be bad. Be. Well, what's happened? Uh, <laughs> plenty of times, and uh, you know, so that's something that you know could could definitely. Um, help you know teams and hurt you know the, the unfortunate ones that it happens to so there's definitely uh ways that i could see it definitely happening um but yeah so let's uh let's keep moving forward though bill so i think we did a pretty good job uh covering today's race is there anything else you want to uh, touch on uh, on the race yeah, you're I, I think we pretty much nailed it other than to say thank you to the mcr a for uh for putting on that race it was, it was great yeah. and uh two penrods uh, i already mentioned him once but jim from penrods for letting us use that property now when does new york kick their season off yeah that's what that's what we'll uh that's why don't we talk about that this next week 
uh, is the what they're calling the Susquehanna Legends Canoe Race. It was formerly the we were talking about the starts the formerly the USPP Spring Race, um, okay. but they've uh, changed it because they're they're changing the start venue. Um, you know, we got to thank uh, Bob Zavril for uh, his uh, generous use of his property at ZRE. Um, because uh, that's where the race is going to start again. So it's a uh, um, very well-known course on the Susquehanna, uh, where they're going to start at Wells Bridge. They're going to go up to Pac-Man's house. And, I mean, if you don't know where Pac-Man's house is, it's about four and a half miles upstream. You're going to turn around a buoy and uh, then uh, return back to Wells Bridge. Uh, so that will be the first kickoff. Usually the race goes... Uh, the USPP starts up um, about another uh, man. Now I'm like just trying to guess. I think it's like another like four miles or so up river. Okay. Um, uh, closer to the Oneana Dam, uh, just by the 205 bridge, and then it goes down to Wells. It used to go down to Wells Bridge. Then you turn a buoy and then go upstream to Otigo Boat Launch, which is about two miles upstream from Wells Bridge. So um, that was like kind of, you know, kind of like we're talking about with, you know, so many times in that race, I've seen the whole race change after the buoy turn, you know, because, you know, usually at this time of the year, the, the, the river's roaring. So everyone's fast going downstream. Right. And then it's the ones that know how to, uh, you know, in that river, you really have to hug the, hug the, uh, the bank. Like, I mean, hug the bank and, uh, you can get like this, you know, upstream shallow, you know, pop, um, if you're three inches from the bank. <laughs> right. Right. But, but you can pull it and, off. That's the, that's yeah. the key to it there is that it can be done. And so, uh, you know, so many times I've, I've seen, you know, you see so, you know, a team, you know, lose the lead in that last two miles because it's, uh, you know, because of that swift current, it's, if you get out in the middle of the river, you're going to just get crushed. Um, and then, uh, so, you know, but, so it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to have that course. Um, this, this course is, is, uh. Um, same course that the Wells Bridge race runs in the in the s- summer, but the big difference there, Bill, is that in the summer there's usually not nearly as much flow, so okay. the, the river's very very low. So the ra- the the river in that section presents two totally different courses based on um, the height of the river because. In the in the summer, you have a lot of uh, there's some you know definite shallow sections, um, and then when in the spring, there's definite sections that you need to be, um, you know, there's a lot of swirls um, with the current, so you know hitting the eddies in the right spot, um, going upstream and not hitting them in the wrong spot going downstream, um, staying in the flow, you know, when you're going downstream. Um, so it, it does that, de- it does definitely present different challenges based on the time of year. Um, but yeah, so this year they're, uh, um, honoring every year, they're going to honor a new legend of the race of, uh, canoe racing from that section of the river. 
Um, this year they're they're uh, honoring Bob, um, Bob Zaverell. So uh, it should be a good race. I'm um be excited to see who turns out for it. Um, and then after then we'll be able to start to talk. You know what? You know uh, what's this next year going to look like? Because now we'll have two uh, Michigan race and a New York race in the books to see who actually came out to race. You know, sure. so yep. um, so that'll be that'll be interesting to see see on that front. So so that's the first New York race. So that would uh, lead us into um, one of the. <laughs> One of the main reasons a lot of us do these races is because of the Triple Crown races, Bill. Yeah, let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Let's do it. Let's rip the Band-Aid right off and go, hey, General Clinton. We've all been waiting. Yeah, we've all been waiting. We're waiting. We've been been patiently waiting. Um, Well, come on. I I wouldn't quite go patiently, right? Let's let's be honest. We're we're impatiently (laughs) waiting. I was I was patiently waiting, uh, Bill, until until April first, um, <laughs> and then, and since then it's just been uh, um, not so much. But so, so we, we should have an answer. What four seventeen? That's what the latest on the Facebook page was uh, today. Um, that John Harmon, uh, John Harmon. If you haven't listened to the, our last episode, was with uh, John Harmon. Uh, on the podcast, and and then he was pretty confident that we were going to have a race. Um, it's not looking so confident now. Uh, uh, I should say, it's not looking confident for a traditional seventy. Um, but yeah, so he posted on Facebook today that they are uh, working on different avenues. Hold on, let me see if I can just pull it up real quick. Yeah, um, yeah. And then. Uh, so basically, this is what came out 13 hours ago. Uh, where this is Saturday the 10th. Um, he said, "Just wanted to give an update. We're still trying to stage some type of race this year. We're still waiting on County Department of Health permits from both Otsego and Shenango County." Um, he then says he realizes that people need to make travel plans and such, but at this time they can't commit to a race without these permits. We will issue another update next Saturday, 417. Hopefully that will at that time they will announce when and how this year's race will happen. Stay tuned. So let, let's let's dig let's 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 dig into this a little bit further because for those that don't have Facebook or um, haven't been following the feeds or whatnot, uh, basically from what I've my understanding is is that they're struggling with the start of the race because the the race finishes at General Clinton Park. That's private property. Um, I don't think they're having issues with that. It was um, based on the safety plan that they needed for the start, and it must be that the you know revised safety plan that they provided still wasn't enough. Um, so what happens, Bill, when you can't start the race? So the, the, the 70 starts on, uh, you know, at Seagull Lake, what happens if you can't start on at Seagull Lake? What happens to the race? Then? Well, it, uh, 
it becomes something a little different. Now, I think I think most racers will be happy just to get a race. Uh, we're, we're at this point now where it's improvise, adapt, overcome, be thankful for what we get. Um, what What's tough is that you'd think that there is some type of an access on a seal lake that we that uh they could i say we they could come up with um and i know john's doing everything that he can do and there isn't if i remember the lake correctly there isn't actually a whole lot of places on that thing is there because the one side has like high banks and stuff yeah you get out of the yeah it's there in my opinion there it's not that like there's not a ton of development on the lake um, so there's, there it seems to be only from what I can tell as well as, you know, a handful of, uh, venues, let's call it that could, you know, host the number of, uh, people, um, for the start. But, um, in, 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 and we're talking about, you know, in the current, you know, climate of COVID having to, you know, um, do a lot of precautions to keep people socially distant and uh things of this nature um but i mean i I do think that there i i don't know being down here in florida it's a totally different perspective on covid um than it is up in new york so um you know it'd be a shame if we can't start the race um on the lake uh, in some way, fashion, or form, uh, I think it'd be cool to start it from Glimmer Glass personally, because um, then you'd get that'd be really close to a full 70. Because those of you that have ever GPS the 70, um, I could send you a couple tracks of a couple different years. Um, it's really around 63 um, miles. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's not. Yeah. It, it's not a full 70. No. So, um, but yeah. So the if you. It, and, and Brookwood Point, where it started the last couple of years, um, is about a mile into into the lake. And then okay. uh, um, Glimmerglass is on the total opposite end of the lake. Um, so it's about, it add probably about six or six or seven miles um, onto the course. So you'd be getting really close to that full, full 70. Um, only issue is then you got to, I mean, it's a, it's a pretty large lake. Um, but yeah, Gl- Glimmerglass is the state park, right? Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Okay. Actually, actually had uh, was planning on camping there this year until I moved, and then we <laughs> camping there this year. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why all of a sudden it dawned on me. I, I think it was probably one of my seventies. I looked at potentially camping while I was out there, and went, "Oh, here's mm-hmm. a state park. Um, oh, it's beautiful." It's a beautiful state yeah. park. Yeah, if you ever get the chance, definitely go. The complete opposite side of the lake, though, like you were saying, we normally start on the it'd be the west side. That'd be the northeast side. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that, uh, um, so if it doesn't start on the lake, we then have to look at where could it start and what could it look like? So, um, from what I've heard is then people are throwing out, um, Wells Bridge. Cause again, uh, Bob, uh, is, is very generous with, uh, letting, uh, you know, can you, can you race world sponsor? 
Yep. Can you Zavro, yep. yep. Zavro yeah. racing products. Yep. Um, you know, he's very, very generous with the use of his land, very much like, you know, like you say, like Penrods and every, you know, and uh, so um, the race could start there. Um, the issue with that being is that just like I said with the USPP, that start um, where it used to start, the flow is just so strong there that you can't really paddle upstream. Um that far that close to the dam uh in oneana so um past packard's house um you can still go up a, a little ways but um you're definitely not going up to oneana dam so you're cutting off that's the midway point of the the 70 um right. is, yep. is the oneana dam so you're cutting off over half of the race course um, you know, obviously you're going to see part of the race, you know, twice. And then you're, uh, uh, you know, the, the, that section of the, the, the race from, uh, you know, above Wells Bridge to, you know, and then below Wells Bridge and stuff like that. It's not, um, it's not as interesting of a river as the upper sections are. That's yeah, for sure. You got the, the, the swamp is, um. I don't yeah. even know how to describe it. It it's that that one bank, and I I'm gonna butcher the description of it. But there is one carved out bank with like a, a wicked eddy. The bank is on oh, the yeah. left. Yeah. The turn goes right, and it's like uh, sweet baby Jesus, don't let me die here because they will never find my body. Are you talking about swamp cut uh, turn? Y- y- uh, yes. Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. My my first year, I missed the turn or the cut. The second time, I I got the cut. So yeah, that that turn, if you miss the cut. Yep. Yeah. There's actually I'll probably post if we if we are up in the swamp this year I'll I'll repost uh um uh, when I started Canoe Race World I did a an article on the shortcuts of the General Clinton. So um it has it laid out right exactly where it is on the race course and and how to make sure that you hit it because um even if there's not enough water to paddle it it's still faster to hit it to to and it's not as nearly as technical if you get into the cut, um, yeah, that's definitely, definitely a hairpin S turn, um, in there. It's one of the parts of the swamp that you're, you know, you really like, uh, that's one of the, that's one of the lures to the 70, in my opinion, Bill, is you start off on the lake and, you know, you have the, the lake where it's deep, but there's that last, you know, I don't know, three-tenths of a mile is shallow, and those waves, if you're in the first, you know, pack, the waves build up pretty big in those sections, mm-hmm. so um, yeah. it can get a little hairy there, and then you're into the river, and then you have a short little, you know, um, bottleneck of the first portage, and then once you're done with that first portage at the hospital, you got the swamp, and then it slowly widens out and you get these big you know sweeping curve sweeping corners at milford and then you start in portlandville you start getting backwater um and then you have you know goodyear lake and then you have fast moving water after goodyear lake so it's always changing the water conditions are are constantly changing um because of the the length of the the course and and how it's the the course is laid out 
um, just, you know, how the river is laid out. Um, so I think, you know, doing a, a race from Wells Bridge um, up to, you know, a, a buoy and then turning around and going down to the finish doesn't doesn't nearly have the lure to me personally um, that doing the whole entire 70 course does, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you brought up something, uh, and I didn't want to interrupt there, but water conditions are a big part of the 70, at least from my limited knowledge of the race, limited experience. What happens if we have no dam releases? Yeah, and that's the thing. If you start talking about doing these starts at the different parts of the of the race, um, there's, there's three dams. Uh, at the 70 so you have the um the hospital in in uh, cooperstown you have goodyear which is just a little, little after portlandville uh, yep. about three hours in and then you have oneana uh dam so generally they do release water from um from my understanding from pretty much all three of those uh um uh dams each year so um below them it's a totally they could be totally different water um if there's no water released you know it's very they release the water so usually so it's not super low if it's on a low water year <laughs> you know uh for for one thing like i've gone i can't tell you how many times we go and we scout it on saturday and there's, you know, there's like a an island right after Oneana Dam. Yep. And yep. and then you could like walk all the way up to the island, you know, uh, on Saturday and on Sunday you can't. It's you, you know, you can or never you're do paddling that. over what was previously dry. Right. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So, um, reminds me very similarly to the differences I see in water level and in on my home river here in Florida. <laughs> Some days I'm walking sections of it, and other days I'm not touching my paddle in it. <laughs> you know, well, that's, welcome uh, to tides. Yep. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, so that's what dam releases definitely change. Um, and so if you don't have dam releases, it's, it's definitely a totally different ball game. Um, definitely going to be a slower race, um, for sure. And so that, that's, you bring up a bit, very good point with depending on it, these alternate race versions, what then happens with dam releases? Um, I don't know if we have an answer on that and I don't know if we will, um, but it's something that can, you know, definitely consider in, in the in the big scheme of things with it. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. That's, that's where we're at with Triple Crown Racing in 2021. Um, the, the next leg would be the Asavo River Canoe Marathon. Yep. Um, there at the end of July, I, I did have the, uh, the opportunity to speak with a committee member um, briefly before coming on the air for this. Um, and verified sounds like june 1st tentatively the entries will be opening up for the arcm um but i know that those the the joint committees uh for the assault river canoe marathon are working with local authorities and with the city of grayling to try to come up with a plan that satisfies everything 
to where we can have a race. It, it would not shock me if we saw a modified format of the Asalvo River Canoe Marathon. It, it yeah. would not shock me if we don't. You talk about uh, coming across Otsego Lake in New York. You know, for us, it's running Peninsular Avenue and jumping off the dock at Ray's into the river mm-hmm. with 10,000 fans screaming like that's our that's our Otsego Lake. And we may who knows if we'll actually get that, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that, that and from, you know, what I've heard, I thought that that was probably one of the bigger hang ups with the, the, the marathon uh, is is the start because of how much, you know, there's no other canoe race that I've seen that has that much of a fan um, presence. You know, so you're talking about not just limiting the number of uh, like support crew and and things of that nature to keep the numbers down. But, you know, you're talking fans. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking. I I understand New York has guidelines. I I think they're like 200 people or something like that was what someone was saying. Michigan currently for events right now is 300 people. Well, you can blow through 300 people for the Asabo River Canoe Marathon in in the blink of an eye. When yeah. you figure 80 teams at two people per team, uh, five, six feet of wristbands, you've got all the support staff for the canoe marathon itself. It, it, it takes a small army to actually put the Asabo River Canoe Marathon on between volunteers and committee members and there's also local law enforcement involved, you know, city officials, things of that nature. Now figure in 10,000 fans. It, uh, it's going to be really interesting. So it is. Um, so, so that would be my question is, is, is the, uh, alternate race versions for, whereas in with a, with a Clinton, we're talking about alternate race versions because of just, it's not because of fans. There, I don't, there's no big fan fair at the start of the Clinton. The bigger fan fair is at the finish of the Clinton because that's usually where they have the, the, the carnival, carnival and, every, yep. and everything. So that's where all the fans are for the, uh, the Clinton. And it's the race starts early in the morning. So and it's a staggered start um, over hours. Um, but with the marathon and the large crowd, what's the alternate race version going to look like? And is it done to limit the crowds? Is that where uh, well, it's the what's going to be the determining factor on how they structure the race? I, I can only speculate on that. Um, uh-huh. And I may have been invited a few different times to participate in committee meetings. I may actually show up uh, next month um, for the, the committee meetings and uh, scratch a Tuesday sprint session. I hope my coach doesn't get too pissed at me for doing that and having to <laughs> rework my training schedule. Uh, but but it's important, you know, that we have some some paddler representation and stuff on the on the committee and just get some ears on it. Uh, yeah. But that said, I think it's important to to differentiate that the, the canoe marathon or to just state the canoe marathon is not ultimately responsible for the crowd. Uh, a lot of the crowd happens. Sure, there's some that happens on public property, but a lot of it happens on private property as well. Um, if they did have to work around a crowd constraint and i would guess 
waves. Yeah. Okay. If we started in waves in the water, that would reduce the draw of the crowd. You eliminate the paddler introduction. Uh, mm-hmm. You move the start slightly. Start in waves in the water, and then there's nothing really for the fans to see. The, the fans are there at the start to hear the gun go off, to see every... It, it, right. It, it's amazing, right? Oh, it, yeah. it's, it, it's one of the craziest things on the planet to see. You know, even if you're not a fan of canoe racing, if you yeah. modify the start slightly, it takes the draw away from the fans, and that just totally reduces the need um, to worry about the crowd. So yeah. that, that would be, I mean, what's your thoughts? What, what do you think they could do? I mean, yeah, that, that would be, that would be uh, what I would think. I think that that would open up the, the realm to have um, an interesting race for us as racers, not, you know, for necessarily for fans, but like, uh, you know, have it we've talked about this in the past bill but like uh have it where you have like a reverse seating uh wave format and uh but then you have to have like you know you still have your sprints and stuff to do start position because there's going to be so many people you can't like see them otherwise um i wouldn't think but yeah uh, that and, and that's and, and that that's an interesting topic. I mean, in the, yeah, we sprints would have no more risk or exposure mm-hmm. than, and probably less than what they had today yeah. for the, you know, the, the spring fling. I, I think they could put in place that, you know, you're only allowed on the Penrods property if you are there to physically sprint. Right. Yeah. If it's your day to sprint, you're allowed to be there. Otherwise, you're not allowed to be there. You know, right. and that would yeah. keep the, the milling away. So we could still have sprints. I love the inverted field idea if they do have to do waves. Um, and then you fire off your top 10 boats right at nine o'clock. You yeah. Know? That would, that, would, that would be great. And I, cause I think it would just bring a, another level of, uh, cause normally the top 10 teams don't have to deal with the last, the last 10 teams because they start in front of them and they get in the water in front of them and they never have to deal with them. Or like, you know, I mean, everyone's very capable at this race, but let's, let's be, let's be real. Not everyone can handle a boat around other boats that well, um, and I've I've been victim to it, and I'm sure almost all of us in the middle of the pack has. Um, we've yeah, all, ab- you know, been, been bumped. We, we, <laughs> we, we we've all been bumped. Uh, Matt, Matt Gabriel and I are pretty good friends, and uh, Matt started behind me in today's race. And we were standing there beforehand, and he says, Bill, I will try not to hit you, but if I do, it was an accident. (laughs) And I know you'll try not to hit me, and I'm sure if you do, 
it's also an accident. <laughs> it, it happens in canoe yeah. racing, right? Yep. Uh, I think if you inverted the field, you would have to time the start of the very first wave, which would be your slowest boats, to get to the a wider point in the river um, mm-hmm. before your lead boats caught and passed them. But man, but man, I'm telling you, from being someone that's had some of the worst starts on the lake in Clinton, in the Clinton, and then you have five miles of swamp where there's not a single spot to pass, man, that just makes the race fun. <laughs> I I I agree that it makes it fun. I yeah, I just don't nah. <sighs> And, and and what more if if they really want to be the champs, they should be able to um, they deal with be the able traffic. To deal with the traffic, yeah. yeah. You know, COVID liability is one thing, right? We sign a waiver for COVID liability. I'm sure we sign a waiver for this too. But I could see somebody killing somebody, <laughs> Maybe, yeah, like literally killing them. But it would create no. There's. The, the upper stretch, if you had your lead boats running into traffic before they hit the open water, eh, nah. I, I think you leave it, you'd stagger it to where, you know, everybody started to come together about Wakely Bridge, you know, mm-hmm. where there's more open water below there, more room to pass. Um, and that would, to, to me... That would be so cool. Because one, one of the coolest things... That, like I was thinking about this after today's race. I think this is the first time I've ever actually been in front of Bruce Barton. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, you have Andy Trebold and Steve Lajoie coming up on you. Like, right. you know that you don't have any type of matches for them. Right. But at mm-hmm. least you get a chance. Like you can try to run them. Right. Run them right. clean, obviously. Mm. Right. Uh, but, but run them. You know, and then see how long you can hold on. Like, well, yeah, and, and and that would be like it would totally change up some of the middle. Like, uh, there are, there are teams out there that can ride waves. To you know, once they're on a wave, they don't lose a wave. You know what I mean? So like, what happens when there's someone's in you know thirtieth place, and they you know. Uh, Andy comes up on them and they hold Andy's wave for 10 minutes. Oh, you, and, are, you are talking to the king. I am nothing but a chili dipping wake riding <laughs> leech. Uh, like that's, that's my whole game. I'm not fast. I can just sprint really quick and grab a wave and hold on for dear life. That would, I, I could ride forever. It'd be great. So I think that would be just like so much fun. I mean, and if it's already going to have, if, like, let's just say if it already has a, somewhat of an asterisk because they're, you know, if the Canadians aren't allowed um, right. at that point, I mean, why not do something fun like that? I mean, it's still the race. It's still it's still the 120. We're not talking about changing the route that, you know, we're just talking about changing the format. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, and I think that's one of the... Um... One of the things we have to keep in mind 
is that the the committee members for the Triple Crown races are up against some really, really odd scenarios. They're doing the best that they can, and we have to, whatever's presented in front of us as competitors, we have to embrace it, right? Mm -hmm. And just, hey, it gives us a a different race, different look. Um, I, I know there's a lot of fear, like, I was talking to a committee member about some alternative formats and all of a sudden, like I asked him, like, and it was important to me, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. If we do these alternative formats, does this still count towards our iron paddler awards? Right. Yeah. You you know, because we, you guys do the 700 club. We do the iron Mm -hmm. paddler awards. Like that's, that's a big achievement, man. I want to get that someday. Yeah, for sure. it, It would, you'd be okay. Relax. Yeah. Well, well, that's so. That's something you know. With a, if you just talk about changing like the the start and like how the start is performed and stuff like that, you're not really taking away the the challenge of the actual race, which that's what a lot of those awards are for. And that's one of my fears with like the the Clinton. I mean, I know they're going to do the best that they can with what they can, but if it's not, you know, in the 60, you know, mile realm. Um, yeah, I, is it, is, is, is it that, really a triple crown race if it's... Right, is, yeah, is that really a, is that really considered one of your, you know, 10 finishes to get into the 700 club or, you know, there's a lot of people in the 1400 club or the 2100 club like my dad is, you know, Um you know that's one of the things you know um that's one of the things like it's one of the very few things from being living down here now it's uh when it does change like that then it's then i have to make a hard decision um is it worth it for me to travel up there to do it you know as much as i love canoe racing but it's 20 hour drive you're not the not the only one with the same yeah, dilemma where there, there's a lot of paddlers in Michigan having that conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a group of text messages that I was privy to earlier this past week, um, asking some questions, wanting to know what I knew or other people knew. Um, had a few asked me today at the race. Um, you know what I know. He's, uh, John Harmon's doing the best that he can do. And in John, we trust right now. But it, yeah. if you have an alternative race, it, what does it do? I, now there is rumor of potentially a Sunday, right? A Sunday. Well, that's that was something that there's there's a, a group in Facebook. Uh, basically, there's uh, Duke Fisher is uh, um, he cannonballed uh, and led a cannonball group. Um, basically, when they refer to cannonball, is basically doing the whole course on their own um, because they do that for the ninety. Um, but like a traditional cannonball for the 90 is they do it on uh, the summer solstice and they do the whole 90 in one day, whereas in traditionally it's a three-day race. Um, but so they, they, they call it a cannonball 70. Uh, they did last year. It was like, uh, you know, a small group of people. Um, sure. and, and he wants to do it again if they don't hold the race. And so that's where this uh, group started. And uh, on one of the threads there, they were talking about you know, uh, changing up and, and basically splitting the field to do the 70 over, you know, three days. So basically having, because cause the 70 has, you have stock, you have recreational paddlers, 
rec class, what is it called? Rec uh, aluminum yep. stock up to amateur and professional and C1s thrown in there as well. So, um, you know, to limit the gatherings or whatnot, they could do a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. You know, they could do it on Sunday. You know, they, um, there, there are those uh, possibilities that I think could be used to uh, help bring an uh, alternative format to give uh, a lower number, you know. So um, I don't know how much of that actually will potentially happen, but it's there. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an option, so it is definitely an option. What's a uh, – I guess let's transition. What's racing look like in New York outside of the General Clinton? Like what's your season look like? any word in your former home state as to uh, yeah i mean it, it seems like uh there's some races that are still not going to be held this year i think um but there are a lot of races that are um they're just uh, uh they're making you know um they're pivoting like uh just like we're talking about with the big races like you know uh next big race in in new york in my opinion is canton um, which is doing an alternate format this year, which is, I think, okay. I think they're doing like, I really like how they're, they're doing it. Um, what they're doing is so for those of that have been to Canton, so Canton is more a really great course. It's on two rivers, the grass river and the, the little river in uh, Canton, New York. And so traditionally you go downstream a mile you turn a buoy, uh, you start on the Grass River, which is a, a wider river, a lot of current. Um, so you go down a mile, you turn around a buoy, then go up, it's like four miles. You go through what they call the rock garden. So it's basically, I mean, what do you think of when you think of a rock garden? They're big boulders in the middle of this river. Um, <laughs> That's what I was gonna, is there really, is there big boulders? Like, Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, there's big boulders and there's current running right into them. And um, I opened up a, a wing one year going up there. Uh, the current pulled me right into one of them. And, and uh, you know, um, so, yeah, so it's literally a rock garden, um, you know. And so you go up past the rock garden and then there's like a, a bridge abutment that you uh, – I think there, I think it used to be an old bridge – um, is where you go and you turn around and then you go back down, you go past the start finish line, um, all the way to that first buoy, but that's where the mouth of the little river is. And the little river is very well termed. It's a very small, twisty, shallow river, not much current. Okay. And there are total, there's a couple like, you know, total switchback turns in there. That mm-hmm. if you are not good at handling a boat, you're not going to make. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. So it's very technical um, section. And you're almost dealing with, you always have to, um, because of how it's laid out, oh, you're almost always going past other people in the other direction. Gotcha. So all the slower people are going upstream as the fast guys are coming downstream. So it makes it, it, it presents another, you know, hazard for the fast guys. Um, and, I mean, for both, both sides of it, but 
um, even more so for the fast guys because they're they're zipping down around corners that you can't see, and you can zip around a corner and someone's not turning correctly. And you, I've gotten, I got t-boned one year, the straight t, <laughs> just like boom. It was, uh, you know, but that's one of the, you know, that's one of the reasons why it's a really great course. So then you you go up a couple miles on the river, river turn a buoy, go back down the little river, and then back upstream the last mile um, to the finish. So what they're doing for an alternative – so they do that, and they do that same course um, Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday is the big C1 race, um, which is probably one of the most uh, competitive C1 races that there is. Um, period, because a lot of the top Michigan guys come out for it. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, you know, all the top uh, New York guys are going to be there. And because Canton's so close to Canada, all the Normally, top, yep. The all the top, top Canadians top are there. Canadians come. So um, it's one of the – you don't really get many other C1 races that have all three hubs at one race. Right. I'm not saying that there's not other races. I mean, plenty of races in Michigan have deeper fields, uh, numbers-wise, but um, I don't think any other race has deeper field um, quality-wise than Canton. Um, and so uh, this year they're reducing it down to one day to help eliminate, you know, possibility of you know extra contact time and stuff like that. Sure. And so what they are doing is they are doing, uh, they're kind of pulling a book out of the, you know, Michigan um, playbook and doing both C1 and C2 on the same day. And what they're going to do is they're going to split the course. So the C2 race is going to be on the Grass River, so the bigger of the two rivers. So they're going to have to go up through the Rock Garden, up to the Bowie Turn, and back down and around. I think they're still going to do the one-mile, uh, you know, one-mile downstream loop, then up, and then down. Whereas in the C1 race is going to be done primarily on the Little River. So you'll go down to the Little River, go up that, and down and around, and, and, and back to the finish. So two totally different race courses with an exact same start and finish line. <laughs> Interesting. So, um, and, and they're really geared towards what it'll be better for, you know, like, you know, the person that can really handle their C1 well is going to really do, uh, really going to find the course, you know, to their liking. Um, it's not going to be, it's not going to bode, the C1 race is not going to bode so well for, you know, the heavy, you know, big, powerful paddlers in the C1 race. Um, but then the C2 race um, is is really good because there's, you know, it, it is about a lot. Of, that is a lot about power um, because of the swift current with the and the grass river um, and picking the right lines and, and uh, you know, staying right where you need to on that river. Um so I think it'll be I think it'll be a fun race, but um, but yeah. So they're doing that type of format, and you know other other races are still going to be held. There, where um, Nipra has uh, um, tried to suggest that everyone do uh, pre-registration for races and stuff like that to help uh, limit contact and and things of that nature. Um, so they're they're making adjustments like that. 
but um, from what I know, that most of the races are still going to happen, though. They're so small. In New York, the races are very small, so uh, generally um, they're more grassroots, so uh, I don't think they're going to have much issues um, having a, a pretty regular season, though. Sure. Yeah. So. I think Michigan's going to have a, a reasonably regular season as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think 2021, after 2020, like what is normal was totally thrown up in the air. But 2021 has a potential to be a return to normality for canoe racing in Michigan. Um, still a lot of question marks, still a lot of access issues, things of that nature. But if there's one thing that we learned from or about the Michigan Canoe Racing Association in 2020 was that there's a lot of really creative people that know how to make things happen. Um, so I'm very confident that the, uh, the board of directors for the MCRA will mm-hmm. follow through and we will have a full race season here. Um, may not look exactly like what uh, we're used to pre pre-pandemic but eh, it will take it right yeah yep so well bill i think that's probably uh i think we've taken uh enough time uh for this episode uh is there anything no i i think we're good i'm pretty sure our seven listeners probably stopped listening (laughs) at at least 30 minutes ago and if there's anybody that listens to the end send me a text message with how many listeners i said that we had just so I can like <laughs> give you a high five, maybe a canoe race world sticker or something for actually yeah, listening yeah. to the end. Or actually, actually, you know what? I'll do this, Bill. If someone uh, texts uh, me or you with that, um, everyone that does will get put into a running for a canoe race world hat. I'm going yeah. to be putting in a new order for canoe race world hat. Potentially, also, if you guys are listening. Um, at this point, uh, send me messages on feedback if you would just be interested in the hat in general, because um, I'm thinking about trying to go for like a really legit hat, like a, a, a hat you'll want to wear for racing. Um, yeah, like like a too legit to quit hat. That level right. of legit. That 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 legit. Yeah. So. <laughs> So yeah, so but it, I need to. I'll have to place in like a substantial order. So I need to. I kind of want to make sure that I'm gonna. I don't want to have fifty hats sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a couple thousand dollars uh, spent, you know, and uh, no one Maybe wants ship, them. So. Sh- shipping them off to some country <laughs> like they do with the loser shirt from the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, and somebody yeah. running around in Central America with a new race world hat. Yeah, so but yeah so uh if when i do 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 that run we will uh we will uh give a free hat away to one uh one lucky listener <laughs> right on that sounds great all right well hey thank you race fans uh enjoy your night uh and uh till next time keep the round side down oh yeah see you out there Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.